Welcome to Design to Thrive podcast. This is a space where teachers and school leaders and community partners come together to talk about the amazing things that they're doing to make schools a place where all students are valued, they're heard, and ultimately they are empowered and set up for success. I'm your host, Alyssa Frazier. And today in the house with us, we have the one and only George Valenzuela. George, say hello to everybody. Hey, Dr. Frazier. Hey, all, all listeners. How's everyone doing? And thank you for having me. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Um, so George is joining us. Um, he is a educator coach. He's an author um, of many books um, and he is an advocate. And so I brought him on the show because he, one, has an expansive expertise in, in coaching, um, being also being a STEM educator, but more importantly, he is an expert in SEL. And um, with everything that's going on right now um, in creating schools where um, students really need that, that we've always needed it, but especially in, in the time of COVID um, and the disproportionalities and inequities that we see um, that are so pervasive in schools right now. Um, I just, I, I thought he would be an amazing voice um, to bring on the show. So um, George, if you could please, 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 um, just um, if there was something I missed or if you, you could tell us a little bit about, um, about yourself and kind of um, your teaching journey and your educator journey. Yeah, so I, you know, it's weird when, you know, people say, oh, he's an expert. I, I know that every day I start from the place of experience, but Eckhart Tolle once said that we should have no problem or no trouble in being an, a beginner each day. So I know that I'm not a beginner each day, but I try to be a learner each day. And so that's... Um, how I consider myself, even if I'm going into a workshop, I always make sure that I honor the room. And I, if I hear something or if someone says anything that I don't know or that enhances what I'm doing, then I accept that as, as a learner. And so me, myself though, I definitely did not see myself as an educator, as a young person. I was always academically inclined but I never had any real talents that I could think of. And so when I say that, um, when I would go outside, you know, in, in you know, Queens, New York, everyone's into hip hop, you know, into, into the music, into graffiti, you know, um, all the outfits, all these things. I didn't have those things. And I really was an observer. And so I never felt that I could excel in anything. And so when I got into school, though, because I was academically inclined, that led me into computer science. And so that's why a lot of my work, um, especially in the beginning of my career, it revolves around STEM and computer science. And even now, um, I have some stuff that I'm still doing. But right before I, I graduated um, college, my very dear auntie, who passed away about four years ago, and she was a teacher, she was braiding hair one day, and she said, you need to be a teacher. And I'll be honest, I didn't see that, you know, as I said, but she said to me, you have a very unique way of explaining things where people understand you. And so make a long story short, she helped 
make an opportunity for me where I could teach a summer school um, um, computer science class. And I thought that I would, you know, teach this class for five weeks. You know, it was a really good, um, you know, pay. It was like 36.50 an hour, something like that. And so I thought that I would do that five weeks and then I would go back into the IT world and, you know, do what I was doing all, all through school. And when I got there, I met 25 young people and not all of them knew how to be academically inclined and knew how to understand the things that they needed to understand in order to be a good learner and to be a good student. And so being that I had a foundation like that already, I felt that I wanted to help them. And so those young people changed the entire um, um, trajectory, not just of my, of my career, but also my life. And so I became a computer science teacher. I eventually, I became an administrator. And at the time I was really naive. And I thought that all the teachers knew how to teach. Everyone knew what to do. And when I started to work with educators, I started to see that that's not always the case. Not everyone was in a great pre-service program, meaning that they probably got a textbook and a lecture or not everyone was on that path. And so a lot of them were um, um, career switchers. And so when I started to assess myself, I realized that I also needed help. And so that, you know, I had an interest in that and being a really great teacher. And so I traveled out to the West Coast and I joined an organization. Um, it's Buck Institute for Education. Now I'm his PBL Works. And I learned how to become a master teacher and how to become an, um, an expert, not just in designing projects or lessons, but in how they're taught or how they're um, um, facilitated. And so I started writing also at the same time and you know all of these things. And so eventually that just led to me doing it um, full time. It wasn't planned that way. It's many years in the making, like we're talking about 10, 12 years. And so, yeah, that's what's happening now. And so part of being a writer and part of being a coach is that you need to advocate and share your stories with other people. And so ISTE, the International Society for um, Technology Education, has a program where we go each year to Washington and we speak to um, our um, senators, our folks um, um, in Congress, and we tell them about all the great things that we're doing in education so that we can help them understand how money should be allocated, how should it, it should be spent in regards to um, ed tech, um, computer science, and also teacher prep. I love that. I love that. Um, would you say, that when you when you look at your the teachers that kind of impacted you, mm -hmm. um, if you could choose one that um, impacted you, um, good, bad, or in between, but they were a catalyst for you, um, who would you say that? And you can say you know Mr. X or Mrs. Yeah. Y, right? You don't have to call their name unless unless you'd like to. So have you seen The Blind Side? Is that the football one? That's the football one. Okay. So I had a lot of Mrs. Tuies. I'll just put it like that. I was a kid that was um, in a group home. And so I didn't, you know, I didn't live at home, you know, all of that. And so I had a lot of Mrs. Tu I had a lot of good educators I met, but one that really stands out um, was my soccer coach, Mr. Megan. His name is Austin. Well, now we're friends. And I 
got in trouble. I got in trouble and I had to do work at home for a while. And he walked in and I remember he had long hair. And at first I was thinking like, like who's this guy, right? And we you know, got to know each other. And the thing that struck me about him is that he never judged me. He never judged me and he helped me in, in my schoolwork. He helped me get into running. And, and we became friends where even after I was back in school, he would take me to his house on the holidays because I was in a group home. You know, I was a wrestler and his um, uncle, or I'm sorry, his brother-in-law bought me wrestling shoes when I you know, couldn't afford it. And so we became friends on, on Facebook. And I'll be honest with you, because I was so in my own world back then, I thought only I had this special relationship with Austin. And when I look at his Facebook timeline, <laughs> we're talking about 40 years in education and children that are now adults with their own kids on his timeline. Thank yeah. you every day Adult, yeah yeah and I was like wow I thought I was the only one and it turns out that he was that way with everyone, everyone. I love that yeah and so for me to do a zoom with him now and show him everything I'm doing now and here's what's so crazy about it was that my aunt helped me get into teaching but when I graduated high school he wrote me a letter and in the letter he said you would make a great teacher and I remember when I saw it yeah I cringe and I was like, nah, <laughs> I remember that, but it was actually his idea, maybe even his prayer. Who knows? I got it. I got it. I love that. Um, so we have so many different journeys of, um, yeah. And we're going to have to, you and I are going to have to talk a little bit later. Well, uh, well I'm going to put you in the book. Like you are going to be a contributor <laughs> to a forthcoming book, Through Solution Tree, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Solution Tree is great. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, like we are going to work together. <laughs> I got it. No, we, yes. So I'm, I'm sensing other, uh, other conversations, but I'm, I'm great. Um, I'm glad that you, that you share that because um, people impact people mm -hmm. and schools are great. Schools are built from people impacting people. And so, um, you know, you, you have phenomenal things inside of you and you pour into people and pour in and um, people have poured into you, um, but you are a reflection, right? You are, um, he, he was before you. And so you yeah. carry him, you carry his words, you carry his actions, you carry him. So I appreciate you. Um, so I wanted to, so we, you and I, we did a little bit of rapping uh, yeah. and uh, we talked a little bit about um, what it means to be like culturally relevant. And mm -hmm. um, for, for all y'all out there, if you, if you haven't listened in, I am um, really passionate about culturally responsive teaching and tech integration more specifically. Um, but we know that um, what it means to be culturally responsive, like there is a continuum, there is a, um, you know, there's an ebb, there, there are, there are research-based practices, they are, but it's going to look different in different spaces. And so um, in the work that, that you do right now um, in supporting and building teacher capacity, um, what does it mean to be culturally responsive, you know, in your role, even your advocacy work? What, is it, what does it mean to be culturally responsive in your space? 
Yeah. So for, for me, what I'm finding is that you can't be culturally responsive if you're oblivious to who's in front of you. All day. Come on. All, all day. And so the thing that I, I try to do with educators is really two things. Number one is to be empathetic with their kids, meaning that they see the perspective of their kids. I don't mean walk in their shoes. I don't think anyone can walk in anyone's shoes. I mean, I could be wrong. No, but they can't. Come yeah, on. I just don't think that. And number two is to help the young person become a learning partner. And so I'll start with empathy first. Um, one of the things that I've learned in the pandemic, um, and I'll give an example first with what happened after George Floyd and now with the anti-Asian hate Oh movement. my goodness. Oh my goodness. Come on. Well, well, the thing that I've realized is that if you don't understand how we got here. That's it. Come how, on. How the system, how, how the system and the barriers and the structures created the inequities and disadvantages and trauma that need to be healed. If you don't understand that piece, then you can't be empathetic. And if you're not empathetic, you're not going to raise equity with your kids. And so yeah. the first thing that, um, so now mind you, I've been on the road first. I've been to over 70 cities to do PD. Yeah. Years. And the thing that I haven't met yet is an educator who says, I hate my kids. I haven't met that. They all, we all say that we love our kids, but I will say based on my conversations that not everyone understands their kids. And if you don't understand where they're coming from and their backgrounds and how they've been marginalized, then I don't think there's any way to see their perspective. And so I don't think that seeing someone's perspective means that we agree with everything, yeah. but we need to validate. And we got to do the work. Come on, George. I mean, we got we got to do the work that that healing work that you're talking yeah. about. It's not a one way street. It's not a I, you know, um, I see what you're saying and, and I and I forgive you. It, it's not that kind of thing. It is it is where where that healing work is it, like that's that's work. It's co-creating. Co-creating. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. And learners. It's a partnership. And the problem is, is that that can't come from the students. It has to be done within PLCs and DEI work in schools. And that's the part that I think that is missing because we're not being empathetic with the kids because we're not being empathetic with, with each other. Absolutely. Build and that so, capacity. Come on. And so, and so empathy has been like, even in my PBL workshop, like right now, like one thing is empathy from an adult's perspective versus a young person's perspective. Like Adler's work, you know, says that young people, they are more in tune with their peers. They want to be friends with their peers. People over 40, a lot of times, well, like, hey, like me or not, I'm here, right? That's true. So to be empathetic means to understand or to try to understand what's going on so that we can become a coach who's going to engage and help to make a better learner, a better citizen, make a better country. And unfortunately, this is something that has to be done systemically, all, you know, all hands on deck. And it's difficult. It's difficult, but yeah. that's one of the ways. So another way that I 
that I try to focus is to help inspire educators or help educators inspire young people to become better learners so they can develop their higher order thinking skills or what we call an education HOTS. And so I'm very big in my workshops on introducing thinking routines and thinking frameworks like Bloom's engineering design, um, design thinking, Absolutely. educational mm -hmm. thinking, you know, also um, scientific inquiry. And so young people and really all people need to learn how to think and how to solve problems systematically. And so when we have empathy for them, not pity, empathy, we can make them a better partner to help them develop those skills. And I think really that's um, where I'm at right now in my journey with this. I mean, so George, I gotta jump in on this. I gotta jump in on this. Go ahead. Um, so you just said something that I, I want us to illuminate a little bit more, mm -hmm. which is talking about this idea of um, not pitying and um, the, the dispositions, mindsets, the ways that we're coming into the space to be to even before to, to to be even able to engage in this empathy, you know, and I'm I'm just saying that because if we're coming in and we're, you know, we've coached teachers and, and all of that, it's not just let's put this in front of you. It's um let's kind of kind of break apart. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that that tension or that space between like you know that empathy and, and that pity because it's I've got kids. Come on talk to us. All right. So so here's the thing, people that have been marginalized and really all people, I think, don't escape earth without emotional trauma. Now, what the difference is, there's emotional trauma and there's psychological trauma, and it depends on how you've been traumatized. And so when we get to learn other people's stories, we kind of, you know, feel sorry, you know, and we feel bad, but that can lead to like a savior kind of thing, when in reality, we all have been traumatized. We've all had different levels of pain. And my thing is, how does an educator become emotionally intelligent enough, him or herself, within their own life so they can pass on ways of healing to their young people? Mm -hmm. And that is what I, you know, what I think it's important because honestly, oh man. Like, Come on. I hate to get so personal, but so I'll share a quick story. I never got to meet my dad. Yep. And so as a young person, I prayed for my Antoine Fisher moment for like 15 years. Yep. And after 15 years, I said, you know what, God, I think it's not going to happen. And I accept it. Yeah. And I'm good with that. I'm pleased with you either way. I'm good. I accept it. And acceptance I or, or understanding that you can only do what you can do and you can, and, and um, um, forgiveness, I think is really the, the, the way to heal. And so I remember when I did find my dad, which he passed away, but I talked with my younger brother and it was back in 2017. And I found out that my dad was a cowboy. Now I'm from New York, he's from Texas. That doesn't really match. So I said, you know, I don't think that he would have understood me or maybe we wouldn't get along because I'm different. He said to me, are you kidding me? Man, we looked you up and we saw your biography and all this and that. He would have been so proud of you. And I cried. And when I cried, 
That was the last time I cried for myself. After that, I would cry for other people. But I realized that my story wasn't meant for me. So every educator, I believe, needs to know what their story is, to know who they are, to know their story and transcend whatever has hurt them in life, emotionally, psychologically, physically, whatever. And it's not easy. It takes time. You know, it took me over 40 years. But once we have that story and we know our story and we have effective ways of healing, for, for example, you know, SEL really does, you know, it's not meant, in my opinion, to solve, well, my work, my work is not meant to solve trauma. It's not meant to, to replace trauma-informed therapy. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. But it's meant to help educators, number one, know what emotions are. Yep. And know the order. Emotions feelings, reaction, or, or response. Then know how to recognize and label and then have a systematic approach to regulating. I and believe- aware of their, And being aware of their own and not, not saying, this is a thing that we do to people. This is a right. thing that I'm pointing this out on you, but that self-awareness, right? And that self-regulation and that, that whole, keep going. I'm sorry. I'm, and I'm, bringing I'm that with love into the classroom. Yeah. Making the, and being transparent with the kids and making them partners. So that way we're focusing on three types of learning, academic, SEL, and career needs, if that's applicable in those lessons or those projects. And so it's not an easy thing to do, but it's the right thing to do. And so, yeah, that's what I'm on right now. Um, <laughs> you know, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So, um, a week and a half ago, I think we had um, Maya Turner, who is a Zillennial teacher. Mm -hmm. And um, we talked about that. We talked a little bit about um, how as a new teacher, she was coming into her you know, her classroom and, and she got mad at her kiddos. And she's like, I'm gonna get you. <laughs> and she assigned him some, some I'm mad at you stuff, right? Some yeah. I'm gonna get you, I'm mad at you stuff. And we talked about that a little bit, um, but we touched upon that. And we also touched upon the healing work that she did, right? Which was to, to go back, right? Cause she had the kids again and, and said, you know, I did this thing and I shouldn't have done that. And that's not who we are. That's not who, who I want to be. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to be something different in this space. And I told her that that was tremendously powerful because I've been that teacher. I've been both of those teachers, but it, it for her to get that at like 23, you know, like right? for her to get that, it took me years to be able to, to, to say like, Hey, I messed up and I care about you and I'm here as a guide with you. And, um, you know, and I'm really sad and I'm really sad at, this thing that I said or did. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm sad that I created this environment and I have to make this up to you, right? Not in a bunch of words, but I have to make mm -hmm. this up to you in, in trust and commitment to, um, you know, building these relationships and being able to- um, Make agreements. And to make, do you hear what I'm saying? Being able to make, make agreements, agreements. Yeah. Um, and know that those are essential for, to build this kind of, it took me, you know, 
and so I said, wow, the fact that you, that you, that you got that and did that, your teachers have been teaching ah, 20 years, 30 years, you know, and they throw around these, these things like, like as if that's going to take away from, um, or, or make up for the, you know, the, the healing work. So, but it, it takes work. But see, when we share our stories and we put these practices into the world, along with prayer, um, I think that we need to want this to come into the heart of each and every student and teacher and if and it to be common practice. And for so long, I mean, think, you know, how long it took SEL to now be part of the curriculum. I know it's been around a long time, but think how long, right? Like we had to have a pandemic in order for it to now be okay. You know, oh, yeah. we need to you know, activate this or integrate this into the curriculum, but this is really like the most important stuff. And, and so I, I just think that for me, um, that that's why I write a lot and I put a lot of stuff out there because it's for that educator that will never get to meet me, that will never be in the workshop, will never attend masterclass. I want them to have an article with some research, personal insight that means that I am doing what I'm saying and three, four actionable steps that they can take along with resources so that they can you know, do it too. And we're seeing, or I'm seeing that there's a lot, like there's a young lady, Selena Carrion, you know what? I don't know how to say her name. She's writing articles for ASCD and Edutopia and she has to be like 21 or 22. That's phenomenal, I love that, come on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and so how can you, how can you not be proud of that? And so like, my thing is, I want that the stuff that we're talking about, it goes beyond this podcast and everyone is doing it. You know, I saw a video from Edutopia where a young person said, if everyone had empathy, everyone would be friends. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I love that because um, that friendship means that there is a place where we enter in through the lens of care. And when, mm -hmm. we, when we hurt and harm, we come back to the place of care, right? But as friends, friends don't leave the wound open, right? We're friends, like we can't, we can't leave, we can't leave that. We can't leave, even if you get mad, you can't, you can't. Right. And, and friends listen to friends. And friends listen and friends and <laughs> friends listen to hard stuff. Right. They listen I'm to friends. the hard. And I want to hit that for a second. I want to uh, we're gonna go off script for a minute, right? And Where, no problem. <laughs> I don't feel like we were on script. At all. I know, right? <laughs> Good luck. You. Um, it's all good. I think as teachers. Wait, wait, hold on, Dr. Frazier. So I know this is her show, y'all. I know y'all loyal to her, but we had a conversation the first time we met. I think it went like two hours. So, so this is normal for us. I got, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. I need you to talk about these teachers, these teacher friends talking to and cultivating um, that friendship mindset with other teachers. Because I think that uh, um, yeah. teachers talking to teachers, building capacity, PLNs, like, there's all of this, like, here's your data, right? I love data, like, love it, love it, love it. Can't tell you how much I, lo I love it. I love all forms of data. I love uh -huh. your personal stories. I love your looking at your, your, 
your your smiling data. How many smiles did you get when you got on the Zoom screen? Don't tell me how many kids showed up. How many kids turned on their camera, even if they turned it off, how many kids turned on the camera and said, good morning, I'm eating my breakfast. How you doing, right? And you looked at them and said, I love to see you, right? How many smiles? That's the data that I want. But let me back up and just say that teachers talking to teachers, like if you could say like, hey, that thing that you did, right? <laughs> the thing that you said, that kid that's, that's, um, that's hurting, like we got to start over. We got to start over a, a little bit and we got to be okay with talking to our team through the lens of care. And I'm not mm -hmm. judging you. That's not a judgment. That's saying I'm seeing this hurt and I don't know yeah. if you see it. Honestly, that has been a big part of my masterclass. Yeah. A lot of educators were saying to me that, you know, difficult conversations are blowing up in the admin's face in schools. And so I think that we have to have difficult conversations, but they have to be fruitful. And if they're not gonna be fruitful, I don't really recommend um, engaging in that. And so I think it comes down to empathy. Empathy meaning that I'm empathetic with what is happening and with who it's happening to. I'm trying to see that um, perspective. And I think that's not happening right now. For example, yesterday was a very historical, traumatic, a lot of things happening in one day. Indeed. And there were still educators who were promoting their book and their PD. Oh my gosh, we canceled our session. Come on, George. We had a session. Right. We and had so, a culturally responsive session. We canceled it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, honestly, it's not important at this point. Like people are hurting and people are, are grieving. And I think that because we don't know how to empathize, we're not able to honor that moment. And, you know, part of being an ally is not to come and save the day, is to become a partner and to become a listener and to try to understand so we can you know, heal and not repeat the same things. But unfortunately, when that doesn't happen and, and, and some of us don't feel heard or don't feel validated, then there is no friendship. I mean, in my opinion, I mean, you know, these are just my opinions, y'all. I think that, you know, staff needs to, and we need to get back to PLCs that are working together especially the ones who have common students, to work together to create not just a culture, but bonds and policy and practices that are good for everyone. And so really, um, in my opinion, that really starts with norms and agreements. Everyone has to agree that we are doing this for our children and we're going to make our, our faculty meetings and our PLC meetings intellectually safe spaces where we're not afraid to say our view and what we feel, but we're not afraid to take feedback when that view- That's what I'm talking about, George. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think that can only happen where there's trust and respect. So, so if I'm that person that 
in my body language, in my demeanor, I'm making you know I don't rock with you like that. I'm shutting down. And I better not see you outside. I better because, not. Right. <laughs> right. Then I have to take my time to regroup, you know, acknowledge what I'm experiencing because look, that's real too. But at some point, and it may not be possible. And sometimes you have to love some people at a distance. I mean, sometimes you have to, because we have to, um, I think, do our best to have, you know, good thoughts, but that may be not possible. But in my opinion, there has to be trust and there has to be norms and agreements. And one of the norms that I think needs to happen is speaking from the heart, you know, like in restorative circles and in, and in restorative justice practices, you speak from the heart, you listen from the heart, but I think we need to add another layer in there, which I'm putting in my book, by the way, that we need to be ready to accept feedback when my perspective needs to change because it's harming other people. Oh yeah, that responsibility. I think that we like just just sitting with it. It's you said something. I'm. I, it hurt me, right? And I'm going to push back on that thing. And instead of saying, "Let me sit with this and let me empathize and let me let me understand and let me sit with it," because we everything doesn't need. We don't need to to. We don't need to have all of these defenses. And and if we normalize feedback and the feedback that's looking at data and the feedback that's looking at um, our practices and going back to those agreements because folks will set the agreements up right and then when we say well, let's come back to these agreements right then there's well you know and it's like no we set these up yeah. grounding to to ground us to be our anchor um, to look at the needs of, of our kiddos. And so I'm coming back to those agreements because that's where, even if we disagree, we can come together on those. Yeah, I, I read an, an article by Dr. Zaretta Hammond in ASCD. And one of the things that she said is that you can't take a lead learner approach on this thing. Absolutely. It, happen, you. You know, it needs to happen with the adults before it can happen with the kids. And, and the thing is in computer science, we take a lead learner approach yep. because a lot of teachers don't have a STEM or computer science background. So they have to learn with the kids. It doesn't work that way. And, and the thing is, you know, we're siloed in our classrooms, but the kids aren't. So it, it would just work a lot better if we would make those agreements and establish those norms and policies and practices and culture right? In our schools, you know, together. Um, I don't have the answer for that, but it's, it's something that I think we need to figure out. Yeah. And keep coming back to, and I'm glad that, that, um, yeah. So, um, and that's, that's a whole nother, the PLC, okay, that's a whole, a whole nother, whole nother thing. So I want to kind of wrap us up, um, on the amazing note where you, I'd love for you to share, um, what you're excited about, what you're developing, what's coming out, um, so that folks can hear about that. They can tap into you. They can hook you up on social media. They can go to your trainings. But what wow. do you have on deck? So, so ISTE just released my new SEL in action um, guide. And so that's on the ISTE website. I will give you all these links so that you can put it on the show notes. But I also have a book that is coming out again through through ISTE. It's called Environmental Science for Grades 6 through 8, 
a project-based approach to solving the Earth's most urgent problems. SEL and equity is addressed in the book. And I have a co-author, his name is James Fester. And James is amazing. And he has a new article on Edutopia on environmental science. And I also have another forthcoming book through Solution Tree on my equity and SEL framework. That's part of the ISTE guide as well. No title yet, but I'm really excited about that one. And also I have a lot of stuff lined up with Penn State, Spiro, Microsoft Teals, lots of master classes for equity and SEL and project-based learning. Um, you can follow me on my social media at George Does PBL, that is J-O-R-G-E. You can follow me or find me on my website at lifelonglearningdefined.com. And you can see my bookstore, my offerings, and how we can partner. I love that. I love all of that. And we will have all of those um, links up in the show notes. And um, I, this time has flown, flown by, <laughs> partly because I started, if, and I know we're, we do audio only, but if you could see me, I've been rocking back and forth. I've been uh, laughing and smiling and clapping my hands and excited. Um, and so, um, I love it. I love being able to, to talk about tough stuff. Um, and I also love talking about the journey because folks may see George right now, right? And they're not knowing what the journey has been. Um, and, and sometimes we have to peek it open. We have to peek open the door and, and have folks to be able to come back a little bit um, so that they can see those reflections of themselves um, and give themselves some grace while they're doing their work. Um, because folks that wanna do amazing work, sometimes we're so hard on ourselves and um, it just helps to build community. So I appreciate you. You want to say something? I see you. No, okay. I'm good. Well, um, I just wanna to say to all the listeners, um, thank you for hearing the podcast and yeah, take from it what you like and whatever is a mistake, you know, please forgive us or forgive me, I should say. And, you know, happy SELing. Yeah, I love that. And, and everybody needs a little bit of grace. Come on. Um, and so for everybody that's out there, um, please know that you are the ones that you have been waiting for. Um, nobody's going to come and get you. We're not blowing out any birthday candles and singing and dancing. Um, you got to do the work. And we are here to, um, to do it with you and to be um, a PLN for you, a support for you. And... Um, yeah, just, you know, doing it with you. So um, thank you so much for listening and keep on shining.